Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. First Peter chapter 4 from verse 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, harm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of Gentiles when we walk in lasciviousness, lost excess of wine, reveling, banqueting, abominable adultery, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. So God is a judge and he will judge each and every one of us who will give an account. Obviously the judgment of the believer is going to be different from the judgment of the unbeliever, but the Bible says that we are all going to give an account. But that's not where we are going. Verse 6. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. For this cause. You know, you see where we, how we got to that place. He said, for this cause. He's talked about the life that we once lived when we were in the world. And he talked about the fact that nobody is going to get away with anything. You, you understand what I'm saying? You can get away with things from your parents. You can get away with things from your wife and from your husband. Nobody gets away with anything. If we truly understand God, all of us should be a little bit afraid. But God doesn't want us to have a morbid fear. God said, because this is the way we live, and because God is the judge and we are going to give account, he said, because of this, what the gospel was preached. So something came to help. Verse 6, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be you therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourself, for charity shall cover the multitude of sin. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same to one another as God's steward of the manifold grace of God. Actually, that is what I've come here to look at, is that phrase, God's steward of what? The manifold grace of God, or the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracle of God. If any man minister, let him do it as to the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be what? Glorified through the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, I'm talking today about the amazing grace, that grace is amazing. And in, in, in the morning, we have part one of the amazing grace of God, that this grace that we are talking about is amazing. And what we did then was to read Matthew chapter 18, and we saw this wicked servant who actually planned hooliganism on his fellow servants. But we were not too much interested in him. We were looking at the dynamics of what was going on between the king and the servant. And we were trying to take another look at grace. And what we did in the morning was to look at the cycle of grace, and that gave us a little bit of insight into how amazing this grace is. And one of the things that came so strongly is that primarily 
and fundamentally grace is a person that grace started with God is beautiful is marvelous is mighty is gracious and that is the beginning of grace that grace is not first the riches yes it is riches but first of all understand that grace the origin of grace is God himself that it is as we have a revelation of who God is that we begin to understand the grace of God but I I want to take this a little bit further obviously you know that the Olympic is rounding up as you see these athletes as you see them doing mighty mighty feats you will hear the commentator use some adjective say that is amazing say that is a divine touch in fact somebody said that is God say that is awesome and this is this is the problem you see the problem is that we've come to a point where this word doesn't really we've taken the meaning out of those words let me tell you something what Usain Bolt did is great, but it's not amazing. Not at the level at which we talk about amazement in the Word of God. You know, when they play the table tennis, oh, what a fine touch, but that's not divine. You see, the problem with this thing is that quite unconsciously, we carry this definition into the Bible. So when we say God's grace is amazing, then we say, yes, I mean, Usain Bolt was amazing, God's grace is amazing, whatever. Let me tell you something. God's grace is not is far, far amazing than any amazement you have ever seen. And we have to be... In fact, now, when they say it, I just laugh. I say, well, that is good. That is great. That is inspiring. That is even fantastic. But it's not amazing. No, no, no. It's not awesome. When we understand what... Let's talk about awesome. Do you know what awesome means? Awesome, actually, inside awesomeness is something that strikes fear. Oh, so... When you, when you are in awe of something, it's because there's a dread that causes you to respect that thing. Okay, fine. I'm not taking away from them. Don't misunderstand me. We are still going to use this adjective. But what I'm trying to say is that I'm restoring back to these words the glory that belongs to them. So when we say God is divine, when we say God is amazing, when we say God is awesome, understand that we are talking about amazement and awesomeness at a, a level that I cannot even begin to define. You know, in my language, when we say something is um, wonderful, which one is Iyanu? You know, that means that you open your mouth and you can't close it. I mean, when something is really just blow your mind. So that's the first thing I want to, just want to clear that when we are talking about God is amazing, God's grace is amazing, we are talking about something far, 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 uh, eternally far more than what we see on TV. We are talking about God. God is on the level by himself. And I think that's the first thing that we need to understand. One of the things you find out, which is why I've gone to first, first Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He talked about the manifold grace of God. The manifold grace of God. When you talk about the grace of God, it has manifold. It has variety, various color, various manifestation. You see, we must be very, very careful when we try to define this word that we don't box it up. The grace of God is manifold. Manifold. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. It's manifold. What's, what, you, you get one grace and then it's just like an onion. You know, you peel 
it and there is another pill. You peel it and there is another pill. The Bible says that the grace of God is manifold. Manifold. There is grace for every area of our life. There is no depth that the grace of God will not reach. There is no height that the grace of God will not reach. There is nobody that is far gone that the grace of God cannot reach you. When you read the book of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16, it was talking about the love of God. But in that love is God's grace. It was talking about the height, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the what? And the height. Oftentimes, when we define this word from the scripture, we always define them in two-dimensional. Understand that the grace of God reaches to the height. It reaches to the depth. It, go as, it, it goes as far as eternity, and it reaches further in the past into the future. The grace of God is amazing. The grace of God is amazing. Number one, is manifold. There's grace. There's grace for that wayward child. There's grace for that business that is struggling. There's grace for that home. There is grace. It is manifold. I mean, Usain Bolt is great. He runs 20, 100, 200, well, it can't run 5,000, 10,000. That belongs to move. Both of them can't jump. That belongs to somebody else. But God, His grace is what? is manifold. It's not limited. It's not boxed. God is beautiful for all situations. We are talking about the grace of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means God will strengthen you to do what you need to do. Be where you need to be. Live the life that you need to live. I have absolutely no excuse to say, Lord, this is the reason why I cannot do what you asked me to do. This is the reason why I cannot live the life you have me to live. No, because the grace of God is sufficient. It's manifold. It's many-sided. It reaches to the height, to the depth. The grace of God is sufficient for us. But I still want to push this forward because I think this is very important. I want you to see how preeminent the grace of God is. The Bible says, our God is the God of what? Of all grace. His throne is the throne of what? Is the throne of grace. The Bible says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of what? Is the spirit of grace. The gospel is what? Is the gospel of grace. The word of God is the word of his grace. Everything is grace. God is a God of grace. The Lord Jesus is his grace. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. Even the very throne room of God, the Bible call it the throne of grace. The gospel, and that is the one I'm going to focus on today. God helping us. The gospel is not the gospel of prosperity. It's the gospel of grace. Everything that comes to us from God comes by grace. Everything. That is why it is very important for us to understand what this grace is. Everything comes to us by grace. It is all by grace and none but grace. You are not going to receive anything from God because you have the right color or you have the right height or you shape the right way or you weigh the right weight or you belong to the right you know, group. Nobody receives anything from God because they earn it. We don't pay for it. We don't pay it in installment. Everything we receive from God, we receive by His grace. It is all by grace and none but grace. Everything we receive from God come to us by grace. Our salvation 
come to us by grace. Our redemption come to us by grace. Our growth come to us by grace. The Bible was going to describe the throne of God and it said this is the throne of grace. In other words, what comes out of this throne is what? Is grace. Because the God that sits on the throne is the God of grace. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. Jesus himself is the source of all grace. And the word of God is the word of grace. The gospel by which we are saved, the Bible says that gospel is the gospel of grace. And when you read the scripture, the Bible says that we are saved by grace. But you are not only saved by grace, you are being saved by grace. In other words, salvation is just not one, it's not just one spot I'm saved. Yes, you are. But there is a process. And the same grace that saves us, that same grace grows. We don't get saved by grace. And then, and that was the problem the Galatians had. And Paul was saying, what is your problem? You are bewitched. Very strong word. He said, you are bewitched. Somebody has cast a spell on you. Did you begin in faith? And now you want to be made perfect by works. And that is oftentimes what we do. Remember, I'm talking about the gospel of grace. You know, people don't want to preach the gospel of grace because they said, if we preach grace, people will, they will take advantage and they will become loose and they will become careless. Listen to the first service. If grace touches you, grace changes you. If you are a Christian and you are living a, the life of the devil, it's because you've not known grace. Because the grace of God has appeared unto us, teaching us to live, to run away from evil. When you understand grace, in fact, the reason why people live like the devil is because they've not experienced grace. They may have been in the environment where there is grace. Our, our friend, the wicked servant. I mean, this man was, he was forgiven such a mighty, such an humongous debt. But it didn't change him. The first step of the gospel is that Christ was revealed. Remember, we said grace came through him. So the first thing is that he came. For God to love the world that he was, he gave his only begotten son. That is the gospel. That's the first step. Christ came. He was crucified. He rose from the dead. He went to heaven and became the source of all grace. Christ was revealed. But there's a second part. Whosoever what? Believe. So the Christ that was revealed, that same Christ must be revealed in you. Must come to be formed in you. Paul was praying for the Galatians. He said, my children... For whom I travel in back again until what Christ be formed in you. It's not just Christ not supposed to be outside us. That's where it started from. But it has to be what? In us. Christ in you is what? Is the hope of glory. Christianity is not good advice. Christianity is God coming to stay in me. Living inside of me. The Bible says that this is the new covenant I will make with the heart of Israel in those days. He said he will take the heart of stone out of their heart and he will put in them the heart of flesh. He said, and I will give them my spirit. The Bible says, in the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you. In that raised Christ from the dead will what? Will fill your mortal body with life. Paul was saying, he said, when he pleased God to reveal his son in me. So that's the second step. Christ was revealed, and Christ is revealed in me, and then the Christ in me shine through me. I can do all things. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the world. This is the gospel. Christ revealed, that same Christ, the grace revealed in you, and then come through you. So we are saved by grace. We are being saved. It's that same grace. One of the things you must understand about grace is that grace gives you access. We are talking about the gospel of grace. 
Because how is this amazing? You know there's a problem. How can a holy, just God forgive a sinner and still be just? And that was the drama that was being played out on the cross. Amazing. The Bible says that if the God of this world have known, they would not have crucified him. Oh, the Bible says that we speak wisdom among those who are being saved. The, the, the kingdom, the, 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 the God of this world didn't understand what was going on over there. Let's talk about grace. Let's talk about this God. You know, the problem oftentimes is that we think too much of ourselves. I mean, when we talk about God, we kind of think, yeah, God is there. And we kind of there. When we stretch our hand, we touch The Bible says that God dwells in a light that no man can approach. It said our God is a consuming fire. The, the Bible says our God is awesome and terrible. In fact, one of the messages I was wanted to preach was the other side of grace. You know, when you when you are aware of your strength, you take extra precaution to keep yourself in check. It's just like the orc. He said, "You really don't want to make me angry." I'm going to make a statement now that is very important. Grace didn't change God. People people used to say that the God in the Old Testament is different from the God. You know, it's the same God. God didn't change. Grace gave us access. And there was a statement we made in the morning. That access is not for, for us to continue looking, living like the devil. And God will look the other way. That access is for us to be who God wants us to be. And to do what God wants us to do. And to help us when we fall. And get us up and keep us going. So actually, grace is to equip us. Grace is not, I've given you an open check. Just, just do whatever you want to do. And there is grace. No, that's not grace. So we are talking about the gospel of God's grace. You remember that the Lord Jesus went to pray. And he said, Father, if this cup can pass over me. If God could have dealt with our problem any other way. Without causing his son to die, he would have done it. The cross shows us something. The cross shows us the evil of sin. And it shows us the greatness of God's love and grace. Because if God could have saved us any other way, Jesus would not have died. There was no other way. There was no other way. And then we talk about that. You remember that question I posted? How can God, who is holy and just, forgive a sinner and not punish him? Because the Bible says that God will punish every sin. Is someone listening to me? The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The Bible says the soul that sin, it must die. So God, how can you break your own law? How can you break it? I'm talking about this amazing grace. Let me tell you something. Many, most people will do anything for you as long as it, touch, it doesn't touch their skin. There's a word in your in your King James Bible called propitiation. Please go home and study that word because that is the heart of the gospel. That is how God was able to justify the ungodly and still remain just. Propitiation. And the other part of that is expiation. Propitiation is all about, you remember, in the Old Testament, what we now call the scapegoat. The scapegoat is a biblical operation, okay? And it was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are two goats in, in the day of torment. The, the high priest will lay his hand on one of the goats, that's the scapegoat, and he will confess all the sin, and he confess everything, and they will take the scapegoat, and they, they will lead the scapegoat into the wood and let, let it go. And the other one, they will kill that and shed his blood. Both of them are a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to understand, you know, People are moving slowly to a bloodless and crossless gospel. When you take the blood and the cross out of the gospel, it's not a gospel. It's just a good advice. The gospel is not a good advice. We're talking about the grace of God. Come with me to Romans chapter 3. 
Right. Uh, let me start reading from verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophet, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody have sinned. But the Bible says, being justified how? Freely, by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the reason God is able to justify the ungodly is because there is a provision of redemption in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God has set forth to be what? A propitiation. In other words, it is a perfect substitute. So when the Lord Jesus was hanging on the cross, because he is God, no man can do this. This is why God has to do it. When he was hanging on the cross, because he is God, he was able to absorb everybody into himself. He absorbed every sinner, every cancer, every disaster on the cross. I know many of us find it very difficult to watch uh, the passion of Christ. I did. But do you know that that is a child play? The Bible says that his visage was so mad. People didn't even know that is a human being. Do you know that throughout eternity, there is a mark on the body of the Lord Jesus when he took you in? I mean, it's a beautiful mark. I mean, God could have healed it. You understand what I'm saying? But he decided to leave that mark there. Throughout eternity, do you understand that Jesus will have a body for eternity just because of you, just because of me? We are talking about the gospel of God's grace. And why did God go to all this extent? To make weaklings? I'm sorry. It is so that we can be equipped. You see, the problem with the law is that people, people break the law because there was no they were not equipped to obey they just have the law there was no help from inside grace is help the bible says we should come to the throne of grace that we can we may find mercy and grace to work to help the bible says that according to the power that is at work where in you yes there are times when we need help from outside but particularly when we are younger but as we grow older there's a power that is at work in us the bible says out of your belly shall flow what rivers of living water people of god there's a realm that we've not touched the bible says that the whole creation are waiting in fact one translation says they are waiting on tiptoes they are waiting for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of god the king of scotland or queen whatever said he was afraid of John Knox's prayer. Men, look at what men under the Old Testament, look at what they did. And the Bible says that we have a better covenant. We are talking about the gospel of grace. The problem is that sometimes the good is the, is the worst enemy of the best. If two or three of us have said it here before, if we really get angry and say, listen, this church must catch fire, not, not physical fire, Holy Ghost fire, okay? If some of the men said, this men fellowship, thank God for what God is doing, but it's not enough. If some of the women said, let's come together, listen to me, it all starts when you have a revelation of the gospel. I will tell you this, John G. Lake, how many of us have read about John G. Lake here? Pocaine, he has an hospital. It's not, I mean, listen, these are things that were certified and confirmed by doctors. Listen, these are certified miracles. Doctors refer to his hospital officially. So when, when nobody has, when there is no hope, you go to the Angelic Hospital. And what do they do? They admit you like they will admit you normally in an hospital. And somebody will come and feed you with the word of God. Just like you will have medication. And they will teach you and teach you and pray with you and teach you. And mighty thousands and thousands of miracles. The Bible talks about the men of Issachar. That they have an understanding of what Israel ought to do. We are looking for some Issachar here. When you, you, you so soak yourself in the word of God. 
There's a wisdom that comes to you. You have the mind of God. The Bible says we have the mind of God. We're talking about the gospel of grace. It is grace, not because it allows us to live whatever we want. It is grace because we don't deserve this. I mean, this thing that God has given us is huge. We don't really deserve it, but God said, you have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the glory may belong to God. Praise God. The Bible says that we, as in a glass, as we behold the glory of God, we are being transformed into the same image from one level of glory to another. We all have to make our decision. The gospel is, is the gospel of the grace of God. The Bible says that it is hidden for us. Okay, we have to labor for it. It's not a free parcel. It's not, it's not a free beast at all. And somebody said, are we working for it? No, you are not working for it. You are hungry for it. The Bible says that God will feed the hungry soul. We need to open our mouth wide so that God can feel it. Listen, it is our choice. We can decide. The, the son of the prophet, they came to the prophet and said, prophet, where we are staying now is too straight. It's too small for us. Until we get to that point where we say, Lord, thank you for where we are now. But this is too small. But you see what happened? Immediately the moon, the ass head fell. But when you have that desire, the ass head will float. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.